Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. Happy Mother's Day, if you haven't been wished already. My name is Vicki, and I'm the associate pastor here, and I'm glad you're here this morning. This morning, we're going to continue our Faith Step series, in which we're talking about steps that we can take that make our belief more real in our everyday lives. To grow our faith, our outward lives have to match our inward lives. Last week, Brian led our discussion on baptism, and if you'd like to listen to that, you can find the podcast on our website. And this week, we're going to talk about community. But what does the video that we just played have to do with any of this? Two things. As she said, instead of trying to balance everything, sometimes we have to choose what plates to put down. Second, her line, I'm going to need to ask for help, was really important. That line about needing to ask for help stands out to me each time I watch the video because I know that frequently one of the plates that we put down when we are overwhelmed is the relationship one. One of the first things that we decide to let go when we're feeling busy or overwhelmed is our relationships with others. The difficulty with this is that the more we cocoon ourselves, the fewer people we have that we can ask for help when we need it. When you've got too many plates on the go and each one feels so important, it's difficult to know which ones to let go of and hold more lightly before you drop them all. So this morning I'm going to be sharing with you why I'm convinced beyond a shadow of the doubt that the relationships plate is important and why, even if we may have to hold it lightly in some seasons, maybe let go of it temporarily or even drop it occasionally, we want, if we want to be healthy relationally, mentally, spiritually, and studies say physically as well, our community and our relationship plate needs to be a priority for us. As human beings, we are designed as relational beings. Our need for one another is a universal truth that's been explored by many a philosopher, writer, and artist. The phrase, no man is an island, from a poem by John Donne, is so popular, it's a cliche. And even Maya Angelou has a popular poem on the topic. And as I share a portion of it with you this morning, I'd like you to think about things that you've had to face alone. Lying, thinking last night, how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone. I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Now, if you listen closely, I'll tell you what I know. Storm clouds are gathering. The wind is going to blow. The race of man is suffering, and I can hear the moan. Because nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Those words are so true, but they're also difficult to reconcile. We live in an extremely connected world, which also happens to be the loneliest our society has ever been. We can reach people at a moment's notice, And we can get updates on people's activities 
through social media without even having to talk to them. But fewer and fewer of us are feeling the connections that our souls long for. We feel alone. Nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. But in our independent society, it can be difficult for, for us to admit that we need each other. We want to be able to do things on our own. Sometimes we feel like we're supposed to. We don't want to admit that we're lonely, and we don't want to admit that we need something, especially something we may not have. I've certainly felt that way sometimes. How many of us here have ever tried to convince ourselves that we're happier or better off being lonely? I don't mean having alone time. I'm a happy introvert here, so having alone time is necessary for my survival. But I mean lonely. Have you ever felt that longing in your soul for connection and then brought up a list of excuses for why you're better off not reaching out to try and remedy the situation? Or maybe you make a different set of excuses that are all the reasons why someone else should make the first move and reach out to connect to you. Maybe you've recognized that you're lonely and then you've placed the blame for it on all the people that you think should know that they need to reach out to you. Maybe you've never made excuses when you're lonely, but if you have, what you're really doing is stifling a God-born longing that should instead be motivating you to action. Our faith as followers of Christ is designed to be built on relationships. Our faith is built on our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Following Christ is not and cannot be a solitary activity. When Jesus was asked what the most important commandments were, he told his listeners that they were love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those two commandments speak directly to the relational nature of our souls. As Jesus explained when he shared them, they cover all of the other commandments that God's people had been given. Because anyone who follows those two relational directives won't be breaking any of the other ones. These weren't just offhand remarks that Jesus made. If you study his words, you learn the great importance that he put on our relationship with God and with others. And more than that, when you study how he lived, you see how important relating to God and relating to others were to him. There are numerous examples in the accounts of Jesus' life where we see how he put his relationships first in his life. When you read about the early followers of Christ, you read about how important living and eating together was to them. Their religion wasn't just about an individual relationship with God, but also about their relationship with each other. Likewise, when you read the letters that were written by the earliest teachers of the church, you see the high value that they placed on truly and actively loving others. C.S. Lewis, Lewis explained what he gathered from the scriptures on the topic, and he said it this way. The rule for all of us is pretty simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. Nowadays, though, many of us don't even know our neighbors, let alone know how to love them. It's my proposal today that this needs to change. For our own health, 
the health of our faith community and the communities that we live in. We cannot afford for loving our neighbors to be an elusive ideal or happy intention that we have. We need to make it a reality. Why? Let me explain. I want to share with you three reasons that we need each other. To make the point as clear as possible, we are going to pretend that people are like automobiles. Vehicles can be practical or pretty, but they all have a purpose. They are made to go from one destination to another. And just as cars are designed for road trips, we as human beings are designed for the road trip called life. And cars, like us, even the fancy driverless ones that they have nowadays, are not designed to function independently. Humor me for a moment and you'll see what I mean. There are three ways that cars, driverless or not, might need us, and there's three ways that we need each other. The first, we need each other for maintenance. A car, whether a fancy one or a plain one, needs regular maintenance. Oil changes, seasonal tire changes or rotations. In the case of my car that also transports three children, six and under, regular deep cleaning. You, as a person designed for community, likewise need relational maintenance. We need people to laugh with, to share our struggles with, to give advice, to give us advice, to challenge us, and to receive those same things from us. These are things that provide maintenance to our relational soul, and they help us to perform well in our life. Having connections with others is important to our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Just as I can go for longer between oil changes than is recommended, even though it's not great for my car, we can go for long periods of time without connection. But it's not good for our souls. The regular wear and tear of life can begin to break us down, and we are way less prepared for the emergencies that, can, that happen in life when they do occur. I'd like you to consider this question as we go on, and if you'd like to give a response, you can go on Uversion, and uh, we do have an event there for Grand Valley Church, and you can respond on there as well. But I'd like you to think about if you had something serious happen in your life, if you lost a job, there was a medical diagnosis, a relationship breakdown, or something else, who would you talk to about it? As you think about that, we're going to continue on to the second way that we need each other. We need each other for relief. Sometimes a car will get a flat tire. Or, if it's a Yaris like mine, one of the belts might develop an extremely irritating squeal. In such cases, and others more than the regular maintenance, attention is needed. Sometimes it's the, something that the owner of the car can do, and sometimes a mechanic or CAA may need to be called in. And it's similar for us on the road trip of life. Sometimes something happens where we need others to help us out temporarily. It could be someone that we have a relationship with, a third-party connection, or a professional. But help is called in to relieve the problem. Do you know what, though? If we aren't in relationship with others, 
Often when we find that we need relief, we have no one to call. Or depending on how deep our relationships are, we are afraid to call the people that we do have. Sometimes, even though we know that we should call someone for relief, we don't. Our lives parallel my driving my car, my squealing car, putting off dealing with a known issue, trying to ignore the noise, hoping that other people don't notice the situation, not sure how how much longer things are really going to be able to be this way, secretly hoping it's going to resolve itself and we're going to be able to pull through on our own. But just as my car is not designed to fix itself, we are not designed to go through these things on our own. It's not up to you to carry the load of everything in your life and fix everything. I think we know this. We sense a need for connection. We have moments where we need something more. We need someone to talk to. We need an extra pair of hands to help us with something. We feel the need to have people to celebrate our joys with when we are happy and to mourn with us when we're grieving. We long to have people alongside us to help carry the heavy parts of our lives. That sense, that need that we feel, it's an engine light. A warning light that I fear our society as a whole is trying to ignore. We are trying to live life on our own We're trying to be enough for everything, but we aren't. We convince ourselves that we can ignore the signs that we need something more, and it's beginning to get dangerous. We need each other. The longer we ignore that need for each other, the need for true connection, whether because it's of fear or because we don't know how to find it, the closer we get to implosion, individually and as a society. As followers of Christ, if we want to be truly countercultural, if we want to be unique to make a difference in this world, we need to pursue connections with others. John, who was called the disciple that Jesus loved, wrote this to the followers of Jesus. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. The second question that I'd like you to consider is in the past, what has held you back from pursuing deeper community with others? Now, we don't actually need to know each other to provide relief to each other. It's possible to help someone that you don't really know. It's easier to provide practical help to people when you're living alongside them but it's not necessary to be living alongside someone before you offer relief. But the next area in which I'm going to compare us to automobiles is a different story. Because not only do we need each other for maintenance, and we need each other for relief, but we need each other for restoration. To introduce the third way that we're like cars, I'm going to introduce you to a car. Our lead pastor, Brian, owns a car that he's quite passionate about. This is it. When Brian was on vacation this week, if you follow him on Instagram, in between pictures of his barbecue and his kids, you'll find lots of pictures of this car. (laughs) 
This car is a perfect example of how sometimes extensive work is required. There are cars and people that require more time, more love, more patience, and more attention. I'm not sure if someone in particular came to your mind when I said that some people require more. But before you wander down that thought rabbit trail, I'd like to bring you back for a moment. Oh. Sorry. With a reminder. And the reminder is that we are all broken people. Sometimes we know someone who needs restoration work, and sometimes we are the one who's needing the work. Brene Brown, um, researcher and author, says this. We've divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. But the truth is we are both. The beauty of living in true community with others is that we are able to be, be, able, to, we are able to be there for each other. It can be intimidating to think of investing time and love in others when we know it's going to require a lot of us. But have you ever had a time that you realized that someone was going to be there for you despite your failings and your struggles? I hope you have, but I'm not naive enough to think that we all have. But what if you could be part of a community where you knew that was the case? where you knew that people were going to make allowances for your faults, forgive you and love you still, love you through. What if you knew someone who would do that for you? What if you were that person for someone? You see, all too often we have that longing for community, for connection that I was talking about before. And along with that longing, we have this little fantasy about how it's going to be, how it's going to be met. We dream that someone's going to swoop into our lives and offer it to us, and all we'll need to is accept it. Introvert confession, I've totally had that fantasy. The thing is, as followers of Christ, we aren't just called to accept that kind of community, we're called to live it. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the followers of Christ in Rome, he said the following, May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. We need to stop hoping that we can step into this kind of love and start praying that God will bring it about in our churches and our neighborhoods through us. As Paul said, God can give us patience, encouragement, and help on the quest. And if we're going to live in complete harmony, we'll need all three. You see, I've never restored a car. But just looking at that picture of Brian's car, I can tell it's not an easy process. Though I'm only guessing at the experience, I'm pretty sure that Brian is going to get frustrated at least one, at, at least one point in his project. He'll have moments of success, but also moments of discouragement. He might even have moments where he wonders why he started it at all. I'm thinking he'll continue on despite any difficulties as I've seen how excited he is and knowing uh, him imagining that finish line of what it's going to be carries him through. Our restoration process that we're a part of, though, it is a little different. Our end product isn't going to be shiny, perfect people. 
others or ourselves. Please don't enter relationships um, viewing them as a project. I'm not a project. No one else is a project. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I am saying is that loving others takes work. That's how it's similar to the project of the car. Sometimes it will be frustrating, tiring, discouraging, or confusing. But it will also be beautiful, encouraging, and divine. If we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. That's our finish line. Not perfect people, but when we love people as we're called to, when we learn to walk together and love through all circumstances, even the difficult ones, we are changed. God lives in us, and his love is brought into full expression in us. The invisible God is made visible through the love that we show one another. So I'd like to take a moment and discuss. I just, oh, good. Brian's got a mic if anyone would like to say anything. And I will check on my phone to see if anyone has added anything to the YouVersion event. Um, just got to refresh that here. So some people answered question number one, who they would talk to. Some people said my small group. Others said family, coworkers, closest friends, and church friends. Someone has said, when I lost my mother, I remember visiting her in the ICU, driving home and asking, no begging God to take her pain away. Whenever she was sick, I would ask God to help. And that day he answered. She passed away shortly after we got home. I hope that as well as God, you also had people who were with you. Because that is the design that God has for us. Someone else said my mom and good friends. The second question in the past, what has held you back from pursuing deeper community with others? Does anyone have an answer for that one? Um, so, uh, for the past couple of years, I've been away on a course, uh, with the military and it's, it was, at first it was a neat endeavor to, you know, depart on something uh, exciting and new. And I was, I was pretty worried about being away from my kids and my wife and, you know, my house, everything for so long. And I, I felt like filling that void, um, was going to be simple at first. You know, I have all sorts of fun hobbies, you know, I had a guitar with me. I had my... Xbox console, I had all sorts of these things that over my life I'd given meaning and I figured that that could could ease it and uh, being away actually brought me closer to closer to my family uh, and God which was a really neat experience for me because I never, I never talked to any of them with those types of questions in mind uh, I never got really that, that close and personal and uh, for the first time in my life I, I actually grew that relationship um, I think filling your life, filling your house, filling your time with these ideas of, you know, what can replace real people interaction 
uh, it can definitely hold you back. And if you just kind of give in once in a while and, and let yourself be open and vulnerable, you can really build a deep relationship. Uh, so I'm very thankful. It, it was a frustrating journey, but it was worth it in the end. Thanks, Colin. Anybody else? Building relationships for me can be difficult because um, in the past, uh, <clears throat> heavily involved in the partying and drinking scene with with a lot of friends, and uh, you know when God kind of got a hold of me and I started making a decision to live for Him, all of those friends no longer wanted anything to do with me because they felt. You know, as if I was judging them or whatever the case was. Nevertheless, God was just working in my life. And uh, then we got involved in a church where we built a lot of friends within the church and uh, built a lot of community. And the time came for us to move on, and everyone, again, (laughs) no longer wanted anything to do with us. And all of those, you know, most of those relationships were you know, ended instantly. So having been in different settings and different uh, groups, it's it's a challenge for me. Uh, I'll often open up easily, but I'll still, even if I'm I'm open, I still have a hard time making meaningful connections with people because of, I guess, past uh, uh, situations that I've been in. And it's, it's a little more, I really know that I really have to focus on uh, making an effort in, in building that. I'm quite comfortable not, you know, just knowing people at a surface level and reserving, yeah. being reserved. I think for me, sometimes um, the reason I haven't pursued community with others is because of time. I was in a community once and um, being new, I, I met my neighbor, and I met this neighbor, and I wanted to reach out to her, and and uh, I did. But uh, she came over, from then on, she came over every day with her two little girls. And um, in those days, it was rude to tell somebody they couldn't smoke in your house, so she smoked in my house and came over every day. And I began to sort of resent all the time that it took. And I think... After that, when we've been in new situations, I've been kind of holding holding back because I was scared to get into that situation again. Mm -hmm. And I know I have to be, if I want to reach out to people, I do have to be willing to give the time. But do I have to give all my time? I think that a lot of us... um, for me, relationships have really like changed over the past couple years. Um, so it takes a lot more energy for me now that I've um, been diagnosed with my MS. Um, and having to, every time I have that new relationship, having to, um, especially with people my age, being like, no, I'm not blowing you off because I don't want to come see you. It's because I'm literally exhausted and I can't. Um, come out with you to go eat pizza because 
I literally can't get out of bed, you know, like things like that, that, um, people my age don't understand. Um, and they think that I'm just ignoring them or that I don't want to be around them or things like that, um, has gotten so exhausting for me to try and explain myself that I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to explain myself to you if you don't want to be around me because you don't believe that I value you, um, that I'm just not even going to try. And so I feel like that's kind of held me back because I'm just kind of done, done trying. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, being military, it's, I'm a very bubbly out there person, so I could go into a bathroom and make friends with anyone. I get that from my mother, but <laughs> that's just me. But I know a lot of friends that can't do that. So I, when we first moved here, I became friends with like 20 women within like a month. My husband's like, what are you doing? But I've met women that it's taken them like three years to come out of their house and to become friends. And it's super hard. But for me, like I just, I dive into the deep end and I'll, I'm going to be hurt. Like we're leaving, we're leaving very, very soon. And having the community. Oh my God. Um is amazing. So as hard as it is to have those goodbyes, it's amazing to meet beautiful people. So no matter what, if you're in your shell, just reach out because there's so many people that you can touch and you can talk to. And like God has changed us in so many ways over the past two years that he's been gone. And it's just amazing to jump into the deep end. Don't just paddle out there. Just dive in. Just do it. Do it. I think that a lot of us have experiences like that in the past that make us wary of pursuing relationships again. And I'm not going to pretend that it's always easy or happy, um, but there is value in it that we can't find from other places. And I echo what Chelsea said. It is worth pursuing. Um, I myself am also, uh, my husband is also in the military, and I've had, I've experienced just living on a base where lots of people move. I've had the experience where you build relationships and then they leave. And then you're like, well, why did I invest the time there? (laughs) I'm alone again. Um, And so other people have experiences that you make relationships and you move, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, why did this disintegrate? Wasn't this of value? Or sometimes people push your boundaries. And the thing, the only thing that I can say in this is that it's worth learning how to do right. I've been reading all kinds of books on this because I am a horrible, social, awkward... Like, my husband mocks me for how awkward I am socially. That's how awkward I am socially. So I've been studying it. But I've been... I have read things that talk about why we feel so hurt when our situation changes and our relationships change and how to handle that. And I've been reading about boundaries and how we can have right boundaries and what's the right way to do that. So it's not perfect, and we are not perfect, and some people aren't going to understand us. But it's worth pursuing anyway and knowing that I'm a broken person, they're a broken person. This may not always be perfect, but it's still worth pursuing, even if it's not perfect. So let's move on to question three. What's the next step that you need to take to cultivate and create the kind of community 
that we are called to. Does anyone have something that you think that maybe this is the step that I need to take? It could be small, it could be a baby step, but is there a faith step that you feel like you're being called to? I'll share what some people have shared in our YouVersion app. Um, Someone said, take the first step more often. Invite someone out for coffee or ask for help when I'm working on a project so we can do it together. Someone else said, to initiate contact more often. Uh, Someone said, have faith, take a leap, and let God guide me. I need to reach out, said someone else. Someone said, meet, talk, and walk with friends. I'll ask again before we move on. Does anyone else have something that you'd feel like you're being called to a little step that you think that you should be taking? I think uh, one important one is they always say take a, take a couple minutes every day and just you know, breathe and think, think inwardly of what it is you're looking for. Just remind yourself what it is. You know, if that's five minutes extra in a shower, close your eyes and, and pray and think on your own. And if uh, you're like us with a bunch of kids in there and you can't take that time, well, you know, at night, uh, just just take take a couple minutes, fit it in, and remind yourself what it is you're looking for. And I think the second important one, uh, which definitely affected me, <clears throat> is uh, try not to say uh, soon um, when when you're talking about meeting up with friends. Um, I, I can apologize to a lot of folks, especially some from uh, from this church who, you know, I kept putting up an excuse of living 25 minutes away from Brandon as a reason to not meet up for coffee, you know, or to not meet up for uh, a walk in a park in, in town. I'll make the excuse to come here to look at, you know, uh, a dog park or, you know, uh, to come to Tim Hortons, um, you know, when the craving's there. But always saying soon... Or you know maybe next week or just just do it just go out there meet up with somebody because six years later you're gonna realize you've only done it two or three times and the time's up. I mean the the, the relationships and friendships aren't lost, but all that time that could have been spent building it even stronger is uh, is kind of dwindling. So definitely to those who are suck inside or suck inside a shell trying to reach out trying to meet up that's and and that go, that applies to god too i mean you know you want to build that relationship just as well uh you have to take that time thank you anybody else i think we had some people share some good things And it could just be that we need to make even 15 more minutes, call someone. You don't necessarily have to drive for coffee, but you could just call and be like, you know what, or send a text. Reach out, open up a little bit, take a little step. A small thing that I've noticed make a difference, come even 15 minutes early for church. You'll have more time for a conversation because people won't be rushing out the door, but they'll be here. Little steps like that. 
I was having a busy weekend. Now, part of this is because I've been trying to learn this and get better at this myself. But um, I'm driving to Saskatoon this afternoon, and my husband is working today, and I've got my kids, and I was speaking today, and I'm going for a course, so I had an assignment that needed to be um, uploaded on the internet and all this stuff. And I was standing in my kitchen a little like, I don't even know what to do for, for supper. And my neighbors were outside, and I was like, you know what I should do? Not worry about any of this. And I went outside and I talked to them for 15 minutes. And at the end, I was like, that was the best investment that I could have made with those 15 minutes. I could have still been in my house, but instead I went and talked. And we didn't talk about anything mind-boggling. Sometimes we'll have those deep conversations, but sometimes we just need to be with people. Remind ourselves that we're not the only ones in the world. We're not the only ones going through these things. Take small steps. So whatever the next step that you are called to in building community, it's got to be your step. This call to community isn't a call to completely change your personality. We are not, as much as I would love to be a Chelsea and make friends in the bathroom, (laughs) we're not all going to be able to do that. Um, So it's not going to transform our personality and how we relate to people overnight. It's a process, and some of us are more naturally inclined to peopling. But no matter where we are there, we are still called to love people. So as a recap, we need each other. Don't ignore the longings for connection that you feel because they are important and a warning sign and a great motivator. We are designed to live in relationship with another, one another and we're called to love one another. When Jesus was gathered with his disciples for their last meal together and he was sharing words with them, he said the following. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we get this right, people will look at us and see God. They will be able to say, Wow, there is something divine in the way these people love each other. This is not a natural love, but it speaks to my soul. As we've already talked about, it seems like it's something that's needed now more than ever, where we are connected but don't have connection. I think the relational starved warning lights are popping up all around the world right now and we can make a difference. Wherever you are, geographically, spiritually, relationally, there is an area for you to grow in community. Growing in your faith and encouraging others by speaking to their hearts through your actions. Let's ask God what he wants us to do in this area. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this week and that you would direct us. Give us one thing, one step that we can do to draw closer to you and draw closer to others. Fill us with your love, the kind of love that came and died for us so that we may share it and grow in our faith and our relationships. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, everyone.
We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.